following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Hello, everyone. It's Pastor Alan here again with another in the series that we're doing currently on the Gospel of Mark that I've called the Remarkable Gospel. This sermon is... uh, prepared particularly for Sunday, April the 26th, 2020. We are still in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis, and I hope everyone is doing well. Remember, you you don't need to be alone. If you have any needs, you have any questions, any concerns, please uh, reach out, and you can reach out to me. You could always email me at pastor at allsaintslutheran.ca. Um, and so we're continuing the series, as we're saying, we're in the sixth chapter of Mark's Gospel. And uh, in this chapter, we've been seeing different reactions to Jesus. And this is, seems to be how the Gospel is crafted. This is most likely Peter's version of the telling of the story of Jesus. He most likely said this um, in public, and Mark had heard it over and over again, and he eventually wrote it down. We don't know that for sure, but it's likely. And it certainly comes across as a a version of the story that was meant to be spoken out loud in public all at once. It takes about an hour and a half to to read the entire story out loud. And uh, I've called it the remarkable gospel because it appears that the stories are told in such a way to evoke reaction. And we've been seeing different reactions in this chapter, uh, beginning with cynicism, uh, an overfamiliarity with with Jesus in his hometown, you know, kind of like who's this guy who's teaching this way, uh, and then we see acts of faith. We see the sending out of the twelve, and um, and the reaction to that. And we and last week we saw the the story of of Herod and and how he was conflicted in dealing with this righteous man, John the Baptist, and what happened with that. And l- looking at that passage, we learned a lesson of how. When we're conflicted in our allegiances, it could lead to some pretty bad decisions. And uh, so we're continuing on, and we're coming to a very familiar story. The And it's a story that actually appears in various forms in all four Gospels. It's the only miracle that we find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it's the feeding of the 5,000. And so let's get into that right away. I Again, here's a familiar story, but if we pay attention and read it slowly, uh, there's some surprises here and a shout out to the audience. Are you paying attention? How does this apply to you? And that's what we're going to try to do as we unpack it. So I'm going to read Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, 
Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for these incredible words, and may they not be incredible to us. May they become credible, believable. As we look into this passage, Lord, help us to see uh, how powerfully you want to work in and through our lives. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So first of all, we start with the apostles come back. So the story before about Herod and John the Baptist is a bit of an aside in the way the story is being told. And then we get back on track with the narrative. The apostles had gone out, and now they can't come back. It's verse 30. I'll read it again. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. So they come back with, with a report. And notice that they didn't just do. They didn't just heal people and cast out demons, which is wonderful and so important but they also taught and that's important to note as we continue in this section verse 31 and he said that jesus said to them come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while for many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat so we see here the messiah the lord the the one who is the true king of not only only israel and the world uh, who's going to do some more incredible things for them and for us that he's concerned about their physical welfare. And uh, they there was so much coming and going that they didn't even have time to eat. So he said, let's go. Uh, when we hear desolate place, it sounds almost not quite haunted, but but let's let's go to a place away from everybody so we can get a break. But they couldn't get a break. And they couldn't get a break because of the the state of, of the people, the condition of the people. And we're going to see how physical hunger and spiritual hunger go together, uh, not only in this passage, but in, in life. Uh, when we read the Bible, we shouldn't let what we consider the spiritual eclipse or get in the way of, obscure the physical. How we live out our lives in normal life, is an indication of what's really going on inside and they are connected and so verse 32 tells us and they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves so there's all these people in the crowd on the shore and all the rest and all the coming and going and the apostles had just come back from from doing what they were doing and they were talking about it and so they get into a boat and hopefully they're able to escape the crowds they were really trying to get away at least for a brief period of time, but they couldn't. Verse 33, Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So this must have been quite a scene um, of the people seeing, oh look, there's Jesus and his followers, and they're just done, not only has is he doing incredible things, I keep using the word incredible, uh, meaning wonderful, amazing, astonishing, not anything ever been done before, and it's stuff that could really make a difference in our lives, and they're going off. Um, let's try to um, get to where they're going. And so the crowds start running um, uh, to uh, to 
meet them where they're going to land on on the whatever other side of the lake they're they're going to. And it says there, now many saw them going and recognized them and ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So, so much for getting away. Uh, they were heading for a place that away from the towns and villages, trying to get away from the population, but uh-uh, the population gets there ahead of them. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, Paul makes the comment about how God sent his son in the fullness of of time. Like this was the most ripe time for Jesus the Messiah to come. And one of the ways that time was ripe is that people were ready for him. And it, it was they were hungry. They were hungry. They, like like it's like supper being prepared at just the right time because I'm so hungry. I'm famished. And the people were famished for the help that Jesus had come to bring. Um, don't know what it would be like if he came right now. I think we're so distracted. We have so many, and it has nothing to do with COVID-19. Like you think COVID-19 would prepare us? Maybe, maybe people are prepared in a way, or, or maybe they're getting prepared in a way that we haven't been prepared in a long time for. I don't know if I'm saying my grammar correctly, but you, you get, you get the point. Um, we need to be hungry. There are certain things we need to be hungry for. You know how parents feel when their children are sick and they're and they don't have an appetite, and and that's sometimes we get really worried. And then all of a sudden their appetite returns and goes, oh, you know they need food and they want they need food and they want food. And so people today we need the food, the spiritual food that God wants to give us. We need it whether we're hungry for it or not, and we're a lot better off when we're hungry for what we need. And so that's that's the state of, of the crowd. And so then we, we go on, verse 34, when he went ashore, uh, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. So there's Jesus has this conflict. He might be difficult for us to think that Jesus would have conflict because we tend to think that everything is all in order for him in how he lives out his life but that's not really the case uh, he he faces uh, this dilemma he knew that his followers needed a break and he did something in order to give them their needed break but they're not going to get their break why because there's something else going on when Jesus sees the crowd and he sees how hungry they are he sees how desperate they are he he's conflicted between do i give my disciples the break they need or do i help these desperate people and he decides to help the desperate people now we're not always good at making the right choice between knowing when uh, we need to rest and when we need to give ourselves to other people. We face the same dilemma that Jesus faced. And this is not to say that we should always be, be serving people 24-7. It's a difficult choice, a difficult decision. In this case, he opted to help the crowds. Um, we see this is the heart of God. God and 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 because God can operate 24/7 he cares he cares for our desperate situation and he's always ready to help us when we're in need and we could be calling out to many time and because we tend not to be hungry we've got the need 
but we're not hungry, we're not always calling out to him and reaching out to him as perhaps we should. But note, if we call out to him and exhibit to him, show him, demonstrate to him our need of him, he will come to our aid. And that's what Jesus reflects for us here. So the state of the crowd is described, as I've already read, and this is still verse 34, that they were like sheep without a shepherd. It says, and he began to teach them many things. So first of all, this reference to sheep without a shepherd, this seems to be a reference to Ezekiel chapter 34. Let me pull that up here. Um, in Ezekiel, in the Hebrew prophets, Ezekiel refer- refers to this. So Jesus is referring to what Ezekiel was, was speaking about. I'm not going to read the whole passage, even though it would all be relevant. So you might want to look it up later. I'm going to read the first five verses of Ezekiel 34, which seems to be the background of, of what's going on in the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Ezekiel 34, starting at verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. And this reference to the Son of man is God talking to Ezekiel the prophet. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. Verse 5, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. This seems to be what is going on in Jesus' day with the people of Israel at that time. The people were hungry. The people were in a critical situation. And Jesus had compassion for them like a good shepherd caring for the sheep. And so there's an indictment here when Jesus looks at the crowd and says they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. The indictment is that the current shepherds of the people of Israel were not doing their job. They weren't doing their job in the first century in Jesus' day, just like they were not doing their job in Ezekiel's day hundreds of years before. So this was saying that the the, the true caretakers, the leaders of the people were not doing their job. And that's why you would have a crowd of people seeing Jesus and his apostles. They're trying to get a needed break by going off somewhere, getting getting away. But uh-uh-uh, they run like all kinds. They don't even take food with them. They're not thinking straight of, oh, they're going to go to a desolate place. And, and maybe they didn't even know where they were going. They were just keeping their eye on, on the on the boat on the lake. And um, one of the things you learn when you come on a, a tour to Israel, which hopefully we're going to get to do when we're finally able to travel again, we have a tour planned for October, 2020, and it's not canceled yet. I hope it's going to happen. If it's not that one, another one, if it's not with me, with someone else, hopefully you can get to go and see that there are places where you could be standing and you could see the whole sea of Galilee. It's actually a lake, Lake Kinneret, and uh, you could see the whole thing. And so they were probably looking and seeing where they were going. And, tr- and of course, then they beat them there and they got there first. What would drive people to do that with their families, 
not taking food, not thinking straight. Well, because they weren't being shepherded properly. Because the people were not taking care of them. And how were they not taking care of them? Because they weren't teaching them properly. And so we see here, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he, Jesus, began to teach them many things. Yes, he's going to do miracles. They're actually signs and wonders is the biblical way to think of these things. He's going to do signs. He's going to feed them physical food that they needed. But the the main thing that he was doing, the main thing was instructing them correctly in the ways of God. That's what he was providing them, and that's what was not being provided for them. Now, today, we've got information, so much information. We are being buried by information, and I've tried my best Maybe not. I'll take that back. I have tried not to read that much information about the current crisis. Um, Sometimes people are sending me articles or suggesting articles to read. And I want to know before I read the article, what's the point? What what is this going to change? Is it just, and if it's only going to make me upset, I don't read it. If it's going to offer some insight and practical uh, suggestions or practical things that I could do to make a difference in the crisis, even if it relates to, you know, if the government seems to be going on the wrong track. Well, if it's just going to upset me about the government, what's the point? If it's going to give me some practical ways that I can interact with the government or maybe do some things that I hadn't thought of before that's helpful to me and my family and to my congregation, sure. But I don't need the noise. And, and a lot of the, uh, the news reports, and this is where we have to be so careful, you know, headlines and stories and videos can look so convincing, but are they correct? And same thing with Bible teaching. There's so many presentations that could be so convincing. I've got to be careful. I, I think I've been told I could be convincing. You know, a person who knows how to argue well can make things sound like they're true, but are they true? That's why we need to go back to the Bible ourselves and seeing if what people are telling us is really, really true. And teachers of the Word especially need to be so careful that they're providing people with, with Bible information that's really going to help. Not just spouting the things that we believe because that's what we believe so we can keep our people doing the things they've always done. Is it about us? Or is it about being um, emissaries of God to help people in God's ways. That's what we need to be doing. That's what Jesus was doing. That's the example we need to follow. And so it's about providing people with nourishing food. Hungry people feeding them nourishing food, both physical and spiritual. All right. So Jesus was actually, Jesus wasn't bringing the people when he was teaching brand new revelations that they'd never heard before. There were new elements, but mainly he was helping people to understand what God had already revealed in the scripture. And we see that over and over again. Okay, well, this sets up the scene for a very powerful object lesson. Verse 35, and when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. No, there's this repetition, desolate place, desolate place all the way through. We're in a desolate place right now. God's brought us to a desolate place. 
feeling very alone, cut off. But in that desolate place with God, there's so much for us to have, to be enriched by. It just feels desolate. Let's see what happens here. Okay, this, this story has far-reaching implications beyond what actually happens here. And I'll talk about that a little more in a moment. And so as we read, and it, as when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away. The disciples are telling Jesus and to, to, that he should send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And so they were concerned. It was a proper concern. The people were there. It seemed that they didn't have food, and we'll find out later how much food they had with them, almost none. And the people were getting hungry. It could end up being a pretty bad scene. So they suggested to Jesus that, you know, shut this thing down, send them to, to get, get food. But in verse 37, we read, but he answered them, you give them something to eat. What? He throws the thing into their laps. And this is so very important. Because we tend to think that everything is about Jesus. And Jesus is central. He's central to the story and he should be central to our lives. But so much of what it means to have him as Lord in our lives is that then he lives through our lives. So he, he takes us, he throws it back into, the, into their laps. You give them something to eat. And their response is like, it's, I don't know if they're astounded or dismissive, but in verse 37, the second half, it reads, And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And a, a denarius uh, was a, a typical day's wage. So 200 days worth of wages. But it's not, I don't think it's being technical. Like, what are we supposed to do? Take 10,000 bucks and buy all this food for them? Like, they're basically saying, what are you talking about? We, we're not going to do this. Can't do this. This can't be done. So we don't know if they're being sarcastic or serious or what exactly what their tone is, but they're being dismissive. Your suggestion, master, is not something that is even, is not feasible. But this is often our reaction, whatever the emotion is, and very often we don't show emotion. God calls us to do something and we just shrug it off. That's impossible and we move on. But in this situation, they're not, they're not let off the hook. So verse 38, the beginning, uh, first half of it, and he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Okay, so, so go do some inventory. That makes sense. Maybe there's enough food, we could share it. I don't know. He knows what he's going to do. I don't know what they're thinking. So they do some inventory. And the second half of the verse, and they found out they had, uh, and they found out, they said five and two fish. So basically nothing. So then it says, verse 39, then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and and by fifties. And and people like to point out, scholars like to point out that uh, this reference on the green grass, which we only see in Mark's gospel, which is probably Peter's retelling, is a sign that this was a story told by an eyewitness, this kind of detail. And we we see too that uh, the, the people aren't, I don't know if they were scattered about or whatever. So they sit down in these large groups of people. And then verse 41, and taking the five loaves, that Jesus taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, just normal. That's a normal thing to do. Um, he probably said, blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, 
who brought forth bread from the earth, the typical Jewish blessing that's been said for over, over 2,000 years probably. And he broke the loaves and gave them to the uh, disciples set before the people, and he divided the two fish among them all. So we see that they take the little bit that they have, they give it to the Lord, and then he gives it to them to give to the people. So where did the miracle happen? Where did the miracle happen? Did the bread, and in case you don't know the story, but though I read it already, everyone's going to eat and be satisfied. It's about 15,000 people, because about 5,000 men and family members, at least 15,000. It's a lot of people for a little bit of food. But where did the miracle happen? Did they give it to Jesus, and then it exploded, and then there was this whole mound of stuff that they passed out? It doesn't sound like that. Also, it doesn't sound as if he would take a little bit, they would pass out a little bit, they'd come back to him, then he'd give them some more, and then they'd go out again. So there's 12 apostles there's about 15,000 people in groups of 50s, 50s and 100. And it looks like what happens is he blesses the bread and the fish, gives it to the 12. Here's some for you, some for you, Peter, you know, James, John. And then as they go and as they're handing it out, it multiplies. And there's still more. And there's still more. And there's still more. They had a little bit in their hands, blessed by the Lord. And as they give out, it multiplies. So it looks like the miracle happened in their hands. The miracle happened as they gave out what the Lord gave to them based on his instructions. And that's how it works. So as I already mentioned, verse 42, and they all ate and were satisfied and took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. So not only were the people satisfied, they had enough to eat. It's not like each person got a little piece of bread, token bread, token fish. Oh, I'm full. I imagine that's possible. That's not what it sounds like. And they all ate and were satisfied. And it can't be that because then it says, and they took up 12 basket full of broken pieces and of the fish. One basket per apostle. That's a lot of leftovers. So not only when you know when the, so when the Lord gives us something to do based on our little resources, we think we can't do it, and then he multiplies it, there's more than enough. Not just enough, there's more than enough. Our God is powerful, our God is generous, and he wants to use us in generous, powerful, overflowing ways. But we've got to allow ourselves to be in situations like this where we're so dependent on him and then listen to his directions using what little that we have, offering it to him and then letting him work through us in multiplying the little bit that we have in very powerful ways. So verse 44, in the last verse of this section, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. As I mentioned, it's probably more like 15,000 people. And what's interesting is what's not said. There's no analysis. We don't go, and they were amazed 
as we read in other places. It just moves on to the next amazing story, which is the walking of the, on the water, which we'll look at, God willing, next time. Even though there's no added commentary about people's reactions, it's a very important story. Because later on, it happens in further in this chapter when we look at the walking on the water, Jesus walking on the water, and then again in chapter 8, there are references to the disciples not getting the current lesson because they didn't fully understand what God was doing through the feeding of the crowds. And so there's something about what God was communicating. And remember, teaching is at the core. It's not, he, Jesus does these amazing things and people just go, wow, there's a point to get. There's a lesson to be learned. And there is a lesson to be learned in the feeding of the 5,000 that they missed. And because they missed that lesson, they weren't able to get the other lessons. And what's this about lessons? And again, it's a teaching. When God teaches, he, he's not just giving us lists of information. So, you know, I learned this lesson today, check. This lesson today, check. When God teaches, remember, when God teaches, this is the shepherd effectively shepherding the sheep, keeping the sheep healthy, guiding the sheep properly, keeping them from predators so that the sheep could be effective sheep. And so that's a figure of speech that God's teaching of us is his shepherding of us so that we could walk, and that's another metaphor, go in the way that we should go, live the way that we should live, behave the way we should behave. Um, We shouldn't be in situations where we're caught without food, both physical and spiritual. We should be able to guide our families well, do our jobs well, be the citizens of our countries well, whatever that means. Once we are properly taught by God. And there's a lesson here that not only are we to receive God's teaching in its fullness, to be properly equipped to live, we should be good shepherds ourselves. Because people who have received the teaching of the Lord, we become responsible to share that teaching with other people. Not just facts and information, but as we learn the ways of God, we should be able to instruct others in the ways of God too, so that the people we know will also not be sheep without a shepherd, that we should be able to be the bridge between God and other people, that they would know him and know how to live the life that he's called us to live in an effective manner. But we need to be paying attention. And the key lesson here in the feeding of the 5,000 is that it doesn't matter what little resources we have. What matters is that we're hearing what God is saying to us. And that instead of being dismissive of the things that he's, he's calling us, we get a sense that he's calling us to do something. We're reading something in his word. We, or we know there's something we should do, but we think we don't have what it takes to do it, so we dismiss it. We ignore it. 
We think we can't do it. But if God is calling us to do this or that, then we could take the little bit that we have. Sometimes it seems like nothing at all. We put it in his hands, allow him to bless it. Then he gives it back to us. And then we take that little bit that we have and we go out and we do it. We say, we send that email. We make that phone call. We pray that prayer. And you fill in the blank. Whatever God's calling you to do, whatever little you think you have, put it in God's hands. Let Him give it back to you and use the little bit that He has and take those little tiny steps and see how He's going to bless it and multiply it. And once we know that the effectiveness of our lives is not based on the little or much that we think we have, but on the infinite resources of God, then we're in a place where we can actually hear Him because there's no limit what God can do through us if we are open to Him working through us by His infinite power. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You that there is no limit to what You will do through us if we'd be willing to hear You and obey You. Help us, Lord. Help us not to dismiss what You're calling us to do, however little or big it might be, but rather may You help us to respond to You by saying, yes, Lord, but how, Lord? Show me what to do, Lord. And then be open to how you want us to do what you want us to do. Lord, there's no limit to your power through us. Even though we are weak, your strength is proven through our weakness. May it be especially at this time when people are feeling constrained, people are confused. We're constrained, we're confused. But with your help, we could really make a difference in this day. Turn us, Lord, from false teaching. Turn us from unnecessary noise being being shouted at, at, at us from every corner and help us to be attentive to what you're saying to us at this time. Please, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please send me your comments, share this video, subscribe to this YouTube channel. You click the subscribe button and then you click the bell And that's how you get notified of other videos, whether it's the weekly sermons or other things I'll be posting to this channel. So uh, God bless you and your family. May God keep you safe, but may God also use you in these days according to His, His will and His power. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at All Saints Lutheran dot ca